today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. If you can't contemplate the ending, don't consummate the beginning. Think about it, David. You commit adultery, think what's going to happen. David, you're going to have to try and cover it up. You're going to have to try and murder. You are going to murder. You're going to have to play the part of a hypocrite. Today, Pastor Ed warns us that if you're faced with temptation where you can't imagine the ending, then you shouldn't consummate the beginning. In the case of King David, he let his lust get in the way of wise discernment and led him into a string of sinful acts. After David's adultery, he went on to deceive, cheat, and murder. We need to heed the warning to think before we act. And we need to bind ourselves to God and draw strength from His Word for those times we are faced with temptation. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Fatal Attraction. Continuing our series on the life of David, I want to speak about the subject of fatal attraction, a fatal attraction. We're going to turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 15. It's a commentary on the life of David, a man who was after God's own heart. There was a season, there was a time in his life where he didn't reflect the heart of God. Now, if I were to ask you to go to your coworkers, to go to some folks at, in your neighborhood or at your school, and ask them to give you two names that might identify with David, two names that when you think of David, you think of these two other people, what do you think those two names might be? Go ahead. Say it again. Goliath, right? David and Goliath, what else? Bathsheba, that's right. I mean, everybody would remember David and Bathsheba, David and Goliath. Now, the one began, it was a mighty exploit of faith at the beginning of his life, at the very beginning of the scene when he comes on the scene. He's a young teenager, and he sees God by faith And he sees the giant conquered. The other one happens when he's about 50 years old with Bathsheba. A mature, experienced person. And in this situation, the enemy has victory over him. But in 1 Kings chapter 15 verse 5, we have God's perspective on David's whole life. Now oftentimes what we do is we tend to remember the bad about people. And I'm thankful we don't do that at the eulogies. But I think God sometimes thinks of us in terms of like the way we think of a eulogy. He remembers often the good things if we're Christians, the bad things are covered in the blood. 
But in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5, here's God's comment on David, his servant. For David had done what was, notice this word, pleasing in the Lord's sight, and had obeyed the Lord's command throughout his life, except in the affair concerning Uriah the Hittite. That's Bathsheba's husband. We're going to use 2 Samuel chapter 11 as the backdrop to this passage of Scripture. We're going to watch and look and examine what happened in David's life. This man who was a man after God's own heart for a season, a long season, over a year, where his heart did not reflect God's heart at all. As you watch the news almost every week for the past number of weeks, who's been on again and again, who was formally running for president? He was a presidential candidate of the Democratic Party, John Edwards. And the court cases just plastered on the television and it's in the newspapers and the scandal about his mistress and the child that he had and the big cover-up. Well, we need not to cover our sins, but to give our sins to God. We need to not hide, but to go before him and say, Lord, here I am. I think about a well-known preacher by the name of Gordon MacDonald. It was in 1987 that he confessed to committing adultery. He was the pastor of Grace Chapel in Lexington, Mass., a leading church. He was an author, a preacher, a lecturer, a well-known spokesman for the Christian community. Gordon MacDonald confessed. And then his elders gathered around him and worked with him for about two years, and then he was restored. And later on, he went on to be in charge of InterVarsity Fellowship a great Christian organization. And he would often associate the David and Bathsheba situation with David's transformation into a better leader. Now, David had to pay for his sin. God forgave him, but there were tremendous consequences that he suffered, that his family suffered, that the nation suffered. But in David's life, He was an example of someone who suddenly felt, we might think, but not necessarily. And God restored. Well, Gordon MacDonald was called on by the White House back in the late 1980s, 1998. He was written up in the Washington Post that he was one of the men, along with Tony Campolo, who were involved in the restoration of the president as President Clinton wanted to get his life back together. In fact, Hillary Clinton read Gordon MacDonald's book a number of times, Broken World. And then he wrote a book, Reordering Your Private World. And President Clinton and Hillary Clinton were counseled and ministered to him by this minister, Gordon MacDonald, who had fallen and been restored and now was involved in restoring other people. David says, forgive me, Lord, so that I might teach transgressors your ways. 
Why did this psalmist fall? The one who gave us the 23rd Psalm. The one who said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Why did David, the sweet psalmist, the worshiper of God, why did David, this man of faith, suddenly crumble? I believe there are several reasons, and I'd like to look at that this morning, and I'd like to look at what happened in David's life, because his life can help us to learn how to live life better. The first thing I want you to notice that there were conditions that set him up for that fatal attraction. It says, one evening David got up from his bed, he walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. This woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The text, first of all, doesn't blame Bathsheba. There are some people who I believe misinterpret this text. One, she was in a courtyard. They didn't have indoor plumbing. And in those courtyards, they were fairly private. Maybe from the king's residence, because it was higher up than all the other residents, he could see over the city. But this woman, Bathsheba, I believe was a good woman, a godly woman. In fact, you get that indication from the biblical text. I believe she was overpowered by a king whose heart was wrong with God. Now, some people say, well, David should have been out in the battle. Well, the battle had been going on for a year with the Ammonites. And the king had to go back to his residence to reign and to rule and to do what kings do in those days. And he did go out later on and fight the battle. So kings would not necessarily always be involved in every single skirmish and war. So I don't think it was because he was lazy or because he shouldn't have been in Jerusalem when he was there. No, no, I don't think that was any of the reason for it. I believe it was because, first of all, he ignored the word of God. He ignored the word of God. Do you know that each one of you, God's Holy Spirit will give you a passage of Scripture that is meant to guide your life. He will plant in your heart a favorite book of the Bible, a favorite verse of the Bible, a passage that seems to be that anchor for your soul, that lamp for your feet, that passage that seems to come back again and again, whether it's a chapter in the Psalms, whether it's a passage in the Old or the New Testament. Well, God gave David a passage that he totally cast aside and ignored. God gave instructions in the book of Deuteronomy to future kings who would one day come on the scene. In Deuteronomy 17, verse 15, one of the things, there were three things that God said to the kings. One, don't amass a large army of horses. Don't pile up gold and silver. But he gave real clear counsel in verse 15. The king, the Lord your God, chooses, must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. And in 2 Samuel 5.13, it says, David took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem, and more sons and daughters were born to him. 
David discarded what God said. And he just did what he wanted. He did what other kings did. He lived in a situation of polygamy. Today, some people think that if they satisfy their sexual desires through various means, whatever it may be, it may be pornography, it may be television where things are not right that you're watching or or the internet or maybe in physical relationships with other people, that somehow that's going to satisfy and that's going to satiate your thirst for sexual intimacy. It doesn't. It only exaggerates it. It only creates a greater hunger. And in David's life, think about it. He had wives and concubines. So that night he wanted to have intimacy. He saw Bathsheba. He could have simply gone into his harem and had a relationship with one of his wives or one of his concubines. But he didn't. What happened? He ignored God's word and he created within himself an insatiable desire for sexual relationships. We live in a culture that's very, very difficult with sexual temptations. They say 50% of men, 25% of women battle with sexual temptations. It's just part of the culture everywhere you go. And we have to guard our hearts. And here, David failed to take the counsel of God's word. What word, what scripture has he given to you to be an anchor in your life, to keep you on track with him. What passages of scripture are you using in your life that will become like that guardrail so when you come to the turns in life, you won't go over the cleft? Or like that life preserver, when the storms of adversity come, will hold you up in that difficult situation. He ignored the word, but there was something else. The perils of success in God's work. Ignoring the word, but the perils of success in God's work. Think about David. He is now king. He's about 20 years into his reign. He's about 50 years old. David is king, has defeated all of his enemies. He is established in the nation. He is watching God bless in so many ways. He's in the house of God, and God says to him, David, your posterity will reign forever. In fact, Messiah will come through your seed, through your posterity. And he's overwhelmed with gratitude. He says, oh, thank you, God. Who am I? And what is my house that you should bless me like this? So David's overwhelmed. David is loyal to his friends. Jonathan, he remembers Mephibosheth. David won't retaliate with his enemies, a former house of Saul. But right now, he crumbles. I think there was something else. The success. You know what happens when we are successful? We're tempted to think too highly of ourselves. We're tempted to think too much about ourselves. We begin to play God. David is in Jerusalem, sitting on the throne... And what does he see? He sees Bathsheba, and he says, I'm going to take her. Uriah stands in the way. I'm going to kill him. 
He plays God. He casts aside God's law, and he becomes a law unto himself. Sometimes power, position, possessions, make a person feel that they're exempt and above God's law and God himself, and they begin to play God. And so we have to guard ourselves when God grants us success and victory because we can be more vulnerable at that time. We have to be closer to God. And so I believe some of the circumstances in David's life were, one, David wound up experiencing great success. David forgot God's word. And in the midst of that, he lost his way. Now, David did something else. He broke down the constraints, the barriers that God set up. In Psalm 139, he says, Lord, you've hemmed me in. Well, David found a way around, over or under. God often tries to keep us. But unless we're careful, we can overstep the constraints that God puts. In 2 Samuel 11, 2 to 3, it says, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David could have stopped when he saw Bathsheba. It was a thought. He lingered. And then it became a word. He began to talk about it, and then it became a deed. It was a downward spiral. David, at this moment in his life, is hearing God's voice through his servant. God's speaking to David. When the servant says, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Don't you know that Eliam, he's one of your mighty men. He's a warrior. And Uriah, he's one of the mighty men. He's loyal to you, David. And remember, Ahithophel is related to them. He's your chief counselor. David, it's another man's wife. Another man's wife. But all of a sudden, that seems so distant. Doesn't matter. The restraints are pushed aside, pushed away. Had David fought this battle like he had fought the battle when he was a young man, he wouldn't have been conquered. David didn't see a giant, but he saw God. Now David doesn't see God. He sees just Bathsheba, a beautiful woman. I want to read to you the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who comments on the desires that we have when they're out of control. He said, at this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality, and the only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. The lust thus aroused envelops the mind and the will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. Suddenly, he can't think clearly. 
If you can't contemplate the ending, don't consummate the beginning. Think about it, David. You commit adultery, think what's going to happen. David, you're going to have to try and cover it up. You're going to have to try and murder. You are going to murder. You're going to have to play the part of a hypocrite. David, it's going to cost you trouble in your family for the rest of your life. David, here's the price of that few moments of pleasure that's so fleeting. When we're tempted by the enemy, we simply forget about God. If we could bring God back in the picture and keep him ever before us, the tempter's power will be lessened. The consequences. We've looked at the conditions that surrounded him, the conditions of the fact that he had experienced success and that power, and, and he forgot that he wasn't God. He began to play God. He, he forgot the word that God had planted, had given him. He had just discarded what God said in the word. And we think about the constraints. That servant who says, don't do this, David. Not quite so blatantly, but just, David, that's Bathsheba's. She's the wife of Uriah. Look at the consequences now. The consequences of a fatal attraction. Verse 4. David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. Now, that insertion in the text is an indication that she was trying to be ritualistically right. She was practicing religion. She was trying to. That's why I feel like she was overwhelmed by this powerful man. David, the king. Now, what are the consequences? Guys, ladies, husbands and wives, do you remember when you had children? And your wife came in and said, pregnant? Man, so exciting. I remember when we were going to have our first, how excited we were. We were going to have a child. And then when we were going to have our second, Melissa. It was so exciting. (laughs) Pregnant, wow. But when that sets, and you don't have it in the bonds of a marital commitment and relationship, that can bring a lot of fear and anxiety. It did in David's life. How do you think Bathsheba felt? Pregnant. Her husband's out to war. He's not around. David, how did David feel? There's a consequence to sin. Then, not only an unwanted pregnancy, but there's an unsuccessful cover-up. David, he comes up with a plan. He knows that Uriah's out on the field fighting, and so what he's going to do is send a word to his general, General Joab. He says, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent, Joab sent Uriah to David. So Uriah gets back and he says, hey, Uriah, how's it going on the battlefield? I want an update. And Uriah probably felt, why are they having me here? Why are they talking to me? And so I'm just an ordinary soldier. And so he's going on with the conversation and they're talking. And he said, well, listen, you go back and have some R&R, see your wife, spend some time with her. Well, the next day comes... 
and Uriah never goes. We're so glad you joined us today for another edition of Building in Faith. As Dr. Ed Jones teaches more from the incredible life of David, we hope that you've been encouraged by today's message and that you desire to seek God's will for your own life. Following God is an adventure and definitely goes against the grain of the world, but it's filled with the freedom that grace provides and blessings beyond compare. Would you like to know more about having a relationship with God? We'd love to tell you more. Please give us a call at 845-462-5955 and let us share how Jesus has changed our lives. If you'd like to learn more about the Building in Faith radio ministry or to hear more messages from Pastor Ed, visit our website at buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll also find more information about Pastor Ed and the activities for your family at Faith Assembly. Our church has weekly services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We would be honored to have you join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area. Each service is spent in fellowship with other believers, learning more about our Savior, and praising Him for all that He has done for us. Give us a call for more information. Our number again is 845-462-5955. We hope today's message has blessed you, and that no matter what is happening in your life right now, you're turning to Jesus for the love and guidance you need. Please join us next time on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed dives deeper into the life of David. Your word restores and